We are It's More Than Just a Chant. We are inspirational creators, difference makers, world changers, and we are one community. Join alums Jared and Ross as they uncover stories of Penn Staters and their unique professional and personal journeys. We are Penn State, and this is Lion Legacy. All right, episode 17 of Lion Legacy. And with this episode, we welcome a new group of Penn State alums. Graduation was last weekend, and we are excited to welcome this new class into the largest paying alumni membership group in the world. Ross, it's hard to think back to our graduation in 2004, isn't it? Yeah, 17 years now. It's There you go, 17 years, episode 17. That's a long time ago, but congratulations to the class of 21. I know it's a little bit of a nerve-wracking time for those new grads. Some of them may be going to start their first full-time job. Some of them may be going to graduate school. All of this happening in a bizarre time in the world. The pandemic's still going on, at least for a little bit longer. We're thinking of them as they venture out into their new world, And but I'm sure... The university, as we've learned from our guests, has prepared them for what they are about to take on. And one other thing, this group will know how to adapt to challenging situations. I would say so. They did not have a typical Penn State senior year, which you feel bad for because senior year is pretty special. Every year, Penn State's pretty special. But I think this group certainly understands challenges and how to pivot and, and adapt accordingly. Absolutely. Um, back to, to our, our graduation, you know, it was exciting weekend family all comes up. You're there with your friends. Somehow I'm remembering that you have to clean out your apartment before you move out. Cause you don't know when you're going to get back there over the summer and just a lot of good times. I just remember being a lot of energy around town and yeah, it was a, just a fun time culmination of a wonderful four years. I forgot about the cleaning up and why, moving out. Part, I don't know why though. I thought about that. I just popped them into my head. <laughs> that was not the one of the fun parts of no, of that no. Weekend. It was just I just remember it being like a headache among uh, an otherwise really fun few days. Yeah, that was a great time, and to your point, culmination of of a great four years. So, congrats again to the class of twenty twenty one, and welcome to being an alum. Let's talk about this week's guest then. Yeah, so we spoke with Lisa Benson. She's a vice president at IMG Models. She has a ton of energy. She's going to tell us about the current state of affairs in the modeling agency, the talent agency world. It's a lot different than what we're thinking about from a couple decades ago. The talent wants more out of what they're doing. It's not just photo shoots and magazines. There's a lot more to it. Lisa has some great stories uh, that she tells us about her time traveling to different events around the world, meeting some really cool people and uh, how she's gotten to where she is today. It's a really fun journey that we're going to hear about. And with that, let's walk it down the runway. All right. Let's welcome Lisa Benson, 2002 Penn State graduate, finance and international business with a minor in business law and currently vice president at IMG Models. Lisa manages a who's who list of models, Chrissy Teigen, Lily Aldridge, Georgia Fowler, Chanel Iman, and many, many more. And if you don't know those names, well, then you've probably seen them in magazines, on TV, or the big screen. 
Lisa, we do not have a red carpet, but we do have a virtual blue and white carpet. So we welcome you to Lion Legacy. Thank you so much for having me. Nothing better than a, a blue and white carpet. I wish I wish we had more of those. Exactly. Well, before we get into the conversation, I want to actually give a shout out to our mutual friend, Jen Bazelli, who is a Penn Stater, IMG alum. And when we started Lion Legacy, Jen immediately said, you need to get Lisa on. I'm so excited. I love her so much. She's awesome. I love that Penn State network. Excellent. So Lisa, thanks for uh, being here with us. First question I had for you, if I were to find 10 random people and ask them to define the word model, I'd imagine I might get 10 different answers. So being a veteran of the industry, how do you define the term? People think that, yes, 10 different people to say that walk down the runway. Do they just do magazine covers? Do they do catalog modeling? What do they do? I think as the term today is really a model can be all of those things and more. And I think now we can really look into having meaning, whether they have a charity, they have a, a meaning, they're not just walking around, they have a voice as well, not just one dimensional, so to speak. I think it's an exciting part of the industry. And after being a 20 years, seeing that evolve is great. It's very open-minded at the moment. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that evolution? Certainly we're going to get into your career path, but when you go back to the early 2000s to where you are today, things certainly are, are different, right? Especially as it relates to, to social and digital media. How has that kind of helped the evolution of models and modeling? When I started, it was very much that the girls walked out of there was a certain career path. You're signed, you walk down a runway, that's what gets you exposure and that's what gets you into magazines and campaigns. But now it's definitely changed. Now it's you come out and you can be diverse. Are you curve? Are you the certain size? I think that it's exciting now because there's diversity aspects of it in which we didn't have before. And also having a voice. I think the models are able to share their personalities. Someone like Chrissy Teigen can have that voice on Twitter and on Instagram and you're, you're still a model and then all of a sudden you can still do high fashion and walk down a runway and do campaigns but still have that voice. And I think now it's just it's much more exciting and much more open. So you mentioned when you were younger, was it was fashion something that you were interested in when you were a little girl? I was very interested in in fashion. I did not know that a modeling agent or a modeling agency, I didn't know that any of that existed. I think you look at it and you're like, wow, there's these supermodels and these fabulous people and they're on magazines, covers, and they're in all these things I don't think I thought about what was behind it. I certainly didn't think about photographers and casting directors and hair and makeup artists and like everything that goes into it. But I did always at five years old, I always bought every cover of Vogue magazine. I, I knew every model there was at that time, Nikki Taylor, Shalom Harlow. And it's kind of ironic and funny that Shalom Harlow, I didn't know her name, but she was on the cover of, of Vogue. And she was wearing this um, fabulous dress. And I actually decided to do my prom dress at like a, uh, a similar 
dress as that. It was an imitation of it. When I started working at IMG and then became an assistant to the vice president at the time, he represented Shalom. And it was this Vogue magazine that came up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm now working with the model that like, I, this is my prom dress. This is what I wore. And I can show you, I can show you that magazine cover and my prom dress. That's awesome. I have to ask, did you show her the photo of you in the prom dress and her on, on the cover? Yes, I did. We need that photo of the two of you in those dresses. That would be amazing. I will. I can do that. I have that. I have that. I- always did I always looked at Vogue and these different things and I was like this is what I want my look to look like in fashion that's amazing I love that story so coming out of Penn State right you started as a receptionist at IMG Models right that role was obviously an entry point to the industry tell us about your approach to that job and then how you worked your way up to where you are today as vice president So when I graduated, I was a finance major in international business. As I just said, I was very interested in fashion and that was my passion and where I wanted to be. So when I came in to that, I, again, I was introduced to IMG then through actually my golf background and a family background, which we can talk about later. I was like, okay, let's do it. There's a, there's one job, it's receptionist. You know, I want my foot in the door and I went in to interview with them, just open-minded. Let's see where this goes. And I was also interviewing with Goldman Sachs and some other different smaller financial places. And then also Saks Fifth Avenue couldn't hire me because it was after September 11th and the whole world imploded and financial places were, you know, difficult. The whole thing was a little bit difficult. Anyway, I go into IMG and I I interviewed with Ivan Bard and I was like, wow, this is a whole other world I didn't know existed. And they work with Giselle and Heidi Klum and Naomi Campbell, Nikki Taylor and like Tyra Banks at the time, everyone. I will literally get coffee every day for all of these people. I just want to learn. I really didn't care. I would have answered phones, gotten coffee and did everything. And I called every day, I think for three weeks, checking in if I got the job and they weren't really ready. Now looking back, I'm like, wow, it was kind of obnoxious. But I literally did. I would just call and be like, hey, so can I answer your phone yet? I mean, I just was that excited. It was mind opening to me and exciting and the good energy in that room. And I just wanted to be a part of it. And then from there, I just decided Ivan's assistant, they sent to uh, Europe one week and I was still sitting at the front desk and I was answering phones. And so I just emailed Ivan and I said, Hey, I know your assistant's gone in Europe. How can I help you? Can I come in earlier? Can I come in later? Even though I'm answering phones all day. <laughs> it's actually an important part of our business. And actually I found the switchboard and answering phones one of the hardest jobs I've ever had in my life. And that's a whole other discussion. And people don't take that for granted. It's really hard, actually. And you don't know any names. You don't know anyone that's the agent. You're learning that. You don't know any of the supermodels. You don't know any of the casting directors. And it's like, if Steven Meisel calls, you're supposed to know them. You don't. And you've got to switch them to the right agent who's like the top agent and represents Giselle and everything else. But you're like a Penn State graduate. You don't know who these people are. <laughs> it was funny. But, you know, it's very serious. And so... Then I even said, yes, come sit with me for a week. And so I sat with him for a week and really we just connected. And I was like, I have to work for him. I want to work for him. I want to work for all of his clients. And at that time he was working with the biggest supermodels in the world. 
and also helping manage our team at that time. And I just fell in love with the job. And, you know, mind you, I was also being paid $2. It wasn't anything fabulous. You talk, Lisa, about managing top talent, all the names of the supermodels that Jared mentioned in the intro. And I think managing is such a broad term. And I imagine that it varies from day to day. But tell us a little bit more about what your role entails today and how you go about supporting your clients. Yes. So management depends on the client. It could be we sign a client and they want to be more commercially driven, whether that's Victoria's Secret or Sports Illustrated. Then we decide how do we shape their career in that way that we can present them to those clients and those customers. And that is, do we test with a photographer that makes them a little sexier, a little more commercial in that aspect? And that way we can present them that way. If this is a girl that wants to come in and just walk down the runway and do that, then we would maybe give her bangs or cut her hair or do something different and dress her that way. It's all about vision. And we're very creative in how we present this to these other visionaries and how we want them to see them. And it's all perception as well. Now, then you have a client that's someone like Chrissy Teigen who comes in, who has this great personality and is out there and has a passion for cooking. Is she going to walk down a runway? Maybe not. She doesn't really want to. She did Sports Illustrated, but then we're like, okay, how do we do the cooking? 15 years ago was let's start a website. But our management is from that beginning. And then also as they develop, we have to say, do you need a publicist? Do you need a manager? Do you need another agent that does books or TV? Because that's not my expertise. My expertise is passion. And you have to, I think, as an agent also realize that they, you can give away some of the power because that also makes you powerful and you need to have that team. Yeah, I love that. I love everything you just said there in terms of your customized approach, right? Understanding the the person, the personality, their dreams, and then putting together a plan in place for that person, but also understanding that it may require other team members from other divisions of IMG. So really well said there. I would say being on a magazine cover for many models is, is kind of the pinnacle of their career, their, maybe their dream. As someone who represents and who has secured many magazine covers, can you share kind of the process it takes to secure that cover? Are you going to the magazines or the magazines coming to you? It's a little bit of both. We recently signed Amanda Gorman, and this is just uh, the tip of my head. Someone like her, when you come and you see the overnight success that she receives, and you see her message in the inauguration. And yes, she's interested in fashion, but how do we take that and put that into press? What's that right outlet for her? And for us, it has to make sense for her, but also has to make sense to us and, and reaching out to fashion. And it's not about, okay, let's just put her on any cover of every magazine. That's a very strategic approach and, and what makes sense. And that is also difficult decision because there are a lot of publications out there, whether it's the Wall Street Journal, British Folk, there's a lot of diversity happening. There's a lot of magazines that are supporting that, but American Vogue, we spoke to them and pitched the idea and they really loved the idea and also embraced it and then listened and worked with us and worked with her and developed what made sense. There's a lot that goes into it. It's not just like who's calling or who we're calling. 
but what makes sense and a very strategic approach of really going over all the different offers, all the different editor-in-chiefs, all of what's going on, who's been on the past covers, who's on the future covers, who's the journalist that's interviewing. There's a lot of things that go into it. And then other things are, yes, there's girls that come in and they're very particular where I'm like, oh my God, they have to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. They have to be on the cover of Maxim Sexiest 100. Whatever that is and whatever their dream is, then we can go and pitch that and talk about it and talk about the bio and it goes back to really developing their career in the way that they want. Yeah, c- congrats as well on the the Amanda Gorman, which the Vogue, I think that just came out or is coming out. That's huge. Congrats. I know it's a very competitive <laughs> process, whether it be Vogue, whether it be SI, the swimsuit model edition, and, and you certainly have secured a lot of those for your clients. So congrats to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it is. But it's just that phone call. And I think also you can't miss the moment. So as an agent, you really have to feel that moment and understand it and really go after it immediately. Like on that inauguration day, it's picking up the phone and calling. Lisa, can you share with us what are some of the characteristics or traits when you're looking to identify or sign new talent to your company? I think now what we look at is do they have a voice? What are they interested in? Are they working with a charity? What's out there that they want to do above and beyond just modeling? So when I meet someone, I want to feel it. I want to feel that they have a passion for this industry. They want to make connections. They take this as a job. They want to go out and just do what we're doing every day. That's I'm making relationships and networking. When I'm on set, I want to know who's the assistant of the assistant. I want to know that person and you make it more of a a job just like we do every day. And for me, that's the most important thing. I I think it has to be really, they're very invested in it and as a bigger picture and take it very seriously. Ross actually asked that question because he actually wanted to see if we had a chance or in the future to be models. You guys (laughs) both. Definitely have a chance to be models. <laughs> Sign us up. I New love career. your personality. What are we doing next? <laughs> Perfect. You'll be seeing us on the next the cover of maybe GQ, hopefully. <laughs> You talked a little bit about some of the new stars, one being Amanda Gorman, who just was incredible for the inauguration day. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the other new stars that you've signed in the last few months? Amanda Gorman has been absolutely amazing as a poet laureate and so many other ideas. The world's her oyster. But also we signed Stella Maxwell, who is an incredible model and someone who I've loved for years. And I've always wanted to work with her because she's also a commercial girl, but also goes into a lot of the editorial factors and and just a lovely uh, woman too with uh, a lot of great ideas and where she wants to take her career next. And I think a lot of people come to us and I am to take their career further and develop and go into not just walking down the runway or just doing like, how do we put that all together? What's the story and how are we pushing them to really create their career overall? So that's amazing. Someone like Natalia Bryant, obviously, she is absolutely gorgeous and in and she really wants to tap into a lot of high fashion and she, obviously she comes from a very special family but she's lovely she's just 
she's so lovely. And I have to say the family is so lovely. You meet so many different types of people, but it's not only that and where they come from and not the Kobe's her father it's really them too as a person and their passion and what they want to do for themselves and where they want to go it's you feel it you just know that these people are going to be stars and I don't know if that's because it's their parents or their family or what it is but that's very exciting for us and we have a couple other exciting stars that are coming soon and fingers crossed i can't say them yet well fantastic i do have a a question a little bit off topic here how do you think some models in the industry as a whole are helping others today who may be going through challenges as it relates to self-confidence i think we are in such a great place right now of the diversity whether that's ethnicity or size diversity I think this is so exciting because I think growing up, it was all, again, the stereotypical model. Now you can really relate to so many different ethnicities and also size diversities. I love it. It's so exciting. And it's so great to see that young people can go and be like, I look like that. And I can be on that cover of American Vogue magazine. I can do that. And I think before it would be like, okay, wait, I have to be this size. I have to do this, but I can't walk down the runway because I don't look like that. And, and, and I think people relating to that, I hope out there that it's giving everyone more self-confidence. Absolutely. And just a, a testament to the, the work that you guys are doing and how we as a society are, have finally evolved to be able to, you know, address those issues. Good that we're in, all in a better spot, right? Mm-hmm. Lisa, I'm going to shift a little bit here. So you mentioned earlier that you're a golfer, and I understand that your father was good friends with the golfing legend, the late Mr. Arnold Palmer, who was also a co-founder of IMG. We're wondering if you had any good stories that you can share about Mr. Palmer. Yeah, it's very special to my father because I think my dad was a huge golfer as an amateur player, but then also played on the PGA Tour for a minute, then went back to being amateur, and then played on the Senior Tour for a minute, went back to being amateur. But we lived in in Pennsylvania in Punxsutawney, Groundhog Day, and Mr. Palmer grew up in Latrobe, and it was not that far. And I will call him Arnie, because that's what he always wanted us to call him. He wanted to have people from Pennsylvania that were just really good golfers and down to earth. And I love that about him. It wasn't how famous he was with anything. When he came home, he was home. And that's what he wanted. He wanted to go out and play with a foursome, just like he did when he was younger. And unfortunately, my father was lucky enough to be in one of those foursomes just because he was a normal guy that was the same way. They come humble backgrounds. And I did get to go a couple of times and I never got to play golf with him, but I did get to go and visit and have a hot dog after nine holes one and he would be like lisa what are you doing with your life and i was like (laughs) i don't know why you ask that i'm having a hot dog with you that's pretty good right and i i don't think i really understand who he was and how lucky i was to have that then later on i i represented kate upton for many years and kate was a golfer as well and her family's a big golf golfer and I suggested getting to know Arnold and we worked with his agent at IMG and we went to the Bay Hill Invitational and the way he treated us there was so special he he just gave us the red carpet and he had dinner with just me and Kate and Kitty 
and Arnie and Tiger Woods came up and was like, hello, it's nice to see. It was just crazy that he was having dinner with us. He could have had dinner with anyone there. It was just wild. And he wanted to take the time. He loved it. He loved it. He was just like, you're part of IMG and we want to make you guys succeed. I'll never forget that for me as an agent now and having a somewhat a little bit of power and different things, I take that very seriously on how do I get back. And who am I answering emails back? Because someone like that always did and always took it very seriously and humble. Quite a remarkable, special person. That's great. Thank you for sharing. That's really cool. We, we love stories just like that. And it's really fun to hear. And speaking of cool experiences, I, I know that you've been at all the major fashion shows. I'm sure you've been all around the world at very cool fashion events. Can you tell us about your favorite event that you've attended? Yes, I miss going to Europe. <laughs> Europe gives me my inspiration. I studied abroad in London and I went around everywhere. But when you work at IMG in your first time, you're sent abroad to go to your first fashion week in Paris or Milan. It changes your whole career, it changes your life, it changes your perception. And if you are in fashion, you learn so much. You understand how serious fashion is taken there. You come back and you have this whole other perception of what, what your career really is. And what really goes into creating all of this and what goes into being that supermodel, the fittings, the designers, the clothing, the venues, the photographers, it's just a whole other world. And then the fun factor of events is just, they're unbelievable. The French Vogue parties in, in Paris are like, you walk in and it's just, what? This is the most insane place I've ever been. And then the, I do also appreciate the Cannes Film Festival because one of my favorite stories is that I studied abroad in London. I took my best friend from London to go to the Cannes Film Festival when we were 21 years old. We were on a train overnight from Venice there. And I said, we're going to the Cannes Film Festival because I just want to be a spectator. I really want to see it. I want to go to, I want to feel this. And I literally stood behind everything and was like, I'm a spectator. I couldn't get in anywhere. I was blocked everywhere, everything. But you know what? I saw it and I was like, this is amazing. This is mayhem, but this is amazing. And then 11 years later, I went there and I walked down the red carpet with my clients and I had access to everything. Well, hopefully you'll we'll get back to Europe shortly and uh, well, get back to some of those events. They do say the, the Ampar Gala is July 16th and the UNICEF Gala that I usually attend in Europe, that's in Capri, the 31st, July 31st. So I don't know if we're allowed back in Europe, maybe I have a chance, but I don't know if we're going to be allowed back in Europe in July or not. <laughs> All right. We'll cross our fingers and hopefully more and more people get vaccinated and get back to some sense of normalcy. But yeah. we're going to put you now in the Lions Den, which is brought to you by our friends at Lions Pride and reminisce about your time at Penn State. And just remember, when you want to show off your Penn State pride, visit lions-pride.com for the latest and greatest apparel and merchandise. Lisa, first question. How do you feel that Penn State has prepared you for this super impressive career that you've told us about today? I wanted a big school. I came from a small town, so going to a big school with 30,000 people got me prepared that it's okay to be a number, but you can also make a name for yourself and you have to figure that out. It's like also in New York City, it's a big city. And I think that prepared me to have that. And also it's such a good academic school. It's a great school. 
and has such great recognition. And also the commodity, I think, like with, with football and the sororities and different things. You just learn good values there, great values. And also, I think just being exposed to a different, a lot of different uh, walks of lives. Awesome. Toughest question of them all. Favorite Penn State memory. Oh my God. My favorite Penn State memory. <sighs> there are so many, but I, I have to say the Penn State football memories are some of my favorite. Just waking up at 6 a.m. and going and meeting people at 8 a.m. to have kegs and eggs. <laughs> but like it, just having fun. And I think also just like the people all coming together and everyone, it's just such a huge network. And you never know where you're going to find a Penn Stater. And I have to say, oh my gosh, I have to say this. When I went in and interviewed one of my bosses, Namaja Kiesi, she went to Penn State. She was a Theta. I was a KD. But she read the resume. I was interviewing with Ivan. But she, Ivan showed Maja the resume. And, re, and she looked at it. She, like, she went to Penn State. Of course, hire her. Because Maja went to Penn State. And her husband went to Penn State. They're big Penn Staters. So essentially, <laughs> I did get hired because I went to Penn State. So when you were an 18-year-old freshman, if you could go back and visit with yourself, coming from Punxsutawney, PA, you've just entered uh, University Park. What advice would you share with yourself at that moment? I would do exactly what I did. Take every moment. Just say yes. Go out. Have fun. Network with as many people as you can. Yes. Try to go to every class. <laughs> try to do that but also get involved in anything that you can like join a sorority try to be part of whether that's the social group or try to be vice president or president or different things like that but I also think going abroad was a huge part of my success is to get that experience if you come from a family that travels abroad and, and does those things then that's great but I do think that was a huge part is to take advantage of those opportunities as part of Penn State, but also embrace the being a number and then figure out how you can make a name for yourself within that network, but also really just enjoy, like live life and learn those life experiences. I think that's what Penn State and college is always about. And, I, and then also is to always remember who your network was from there. My, my biggest, closest friends and advocates, and like I just said about IMG and being a part of that, never forget where you came from. Because that today, Penn State is more important than anything else. I think the world of Penn State. I wouldn't be where I am today without Penn State. We, we think the world of the university as well. We think the, the world of you and, and appreciate you giving us a little bit of a walk down the blue and white carpet, a little behind the scenes and sharing your career journey. It's quite easy to see your success. And I, I will say we probably will never look at a magazine cover the same knowing how hard it is and the team behind that model and how that team really helps make everything happen. So we certainly wish you continued success. We look forward to hopefully seeing you on TV maybe one day in Europe on the red carpet for a, a future fashion show. But thanks for joining. And we always end with one last thing. We are Penn State. Lion Legacy is a Baruta production. If you enjoy this Labor of Love podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it if you would subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast platform.